0: Everybody is Corey Poirier. Really excited to be back with the latest edition of the Let's Do Influencing Show. And also, really excited to have a first time guest with us today. Excited to introduce him to our listeners and uh, introduce him to maybe some new listeners and, and even viewers, perhaps as well. Uh, so, Jude Mendonza, so excited to have you here today. And, Jude, I think where I'd like to start is to get you to tell us a little bit about your backstory or your journey for those who maybe discover you for the very first time today.
1: Okay. Um, yeah, I'm Jude Mendonca, also known as Jude the Barefoot Millionaire Mendonca. A little story behind that nickname, too. Um, but yeah, up a, live up in Montana, kind of a, a rags-to-riches sort of background, you know. Uh, grew up in the trailer park, um, spent a lot of years just get blunt with it on drugs, uh, living on the streets off and on. Um, finally, around 21 uh, is when I kind of started to Realized I was being an idiot and started chasing my life around. I ended up the summer, that summer when I was 20, getting stabbed three times. And so by the time uh, the winter came around, it was like, okay, we, we need to fix our life. So ended up being homeless that whole winter up in Montana while I worked a job, uh, cleaned my life up and started focusing on entrepreneurship and starting to learn and starting to grow. Um, from then went on to open my first business uh, that did very f- successful for three years for the government shut us down um then immediately you know realized hey that's what happens with entrepreneurs they fail and then they get up again so started the next business which was a chain of cell phone stores we grew that from montana out to washington and now i've got a real estate uh, kind of small empire growing and doing a huge international company with a partner out of China where we manufacture our own electronics, cell phone parts, things like that. And now our big focus, me and my team, has been giving back to others, you know, people who are kind of in the same boat, uh, speaking into their lives, doing podcasting, coaching, helping people start businesses, things like that. Just really trying to get back out there and start adding value to others.
0: Wow, so there's so many directions I could go from there, Jude. I think I wanted Sorry. to, yeah, that's a, that's a big journey and, and, uh, and, uh, you know, an awesome journey as well. And, uh, you know, we often talk as speakers about our dip story. And, and I think I mentioned that, and I think you and I chatted about it just briefly on Facebook. Um, but you know, it really relates to the fact that most of us have that, that dip where things go down and, and usually for people it's, it's, you know, you hear the, the terms, turn your mess into your message. And I think that's the messy part, you know, the messy middle that nobody wants to talk about. Right. But it's also the part that resonates the most with people. Meaning, I find when you share that part of your life, like the fact that you said maybe you spent some time on drugs and, and the struggles you had and, and, and the journey that you took, that's the part that most people can relate to because less people are quote unquote perfect than not perfect. And so we've all had those messy middles. It might look different but they can relate to the fact that you've had challenges. And so my first question out of that is when you look back at those challenges, Jude, that you went through before uh, you started tasting some success and and maybe turning your life around, are there some lessons that stand out? Some things that you learn from those experiences that you can tangibly say, you know, I learned this because of that.
1: Right. Oh man. You know, so many different lessons. One of the biggest ones that I always focus on and trying to teach people with though is, uh, your circle, the importance of your circle. You know, me and all my friends and everybody, you, we all wanted more. You know, we always talked about the big house, fast car, the life we were going to live one day. And yet every weekend, every night it was the same thing, just partying, drugs, chase women, you know, whatever. And we never grew out of that. And to this day, most of those friends are still in that circle doing that thing. In order to change and to get on a better path, I realized I had to break that circle and find a different influence of friends around me because, you know, just as what you feed your system is what you get out, what we mentally feed our system, what we get out, and what our friends, the people around us feed our system is what we get out, so that was the very first thing that I realized and had to get rid of. And so I ended up dropping all my friends right out the gate and start finding better people, people who I wanted to be like people who I wanted to emulate. You know, same thing as like hiring you as a speaking coach, getting opportunities to speak. I'm not a speaker. So I need to learn to be one. I need to start hanging out with speakers. So, you know, reach out with you. And that's how success comes. We start building those better circles.
0: Yeah. I mean, such a great point. Uh, It's funny. One of the uh, the, there's there's a quote, and I'd love to be able to credit to somebody, but I always get I hear two different speakers that it's credited to, Les Brown and Zig Ziglar. And so maybe so I I, I've done a lot of work with Tom Ziglar, Zig's son. So maybe I need to ask Tom, is this your father's quote or Les Brown's quote? But (laughs) it it says something along the lines, and I'm paraphrasing it. uh, But the biggest difference between I think it even says the only difference, but the biggest difference between the you of today and the you of five years time will be the people that you meet and the books that you read. Yeah. Now, that quote, I think, was developed, who knows, in the 60s, 70s, what have you. Uh, to that point, the books that you read, obviously, has changed, because it doesn't have to be books anymore. It could be the podcast you listen to, the people you surround yourself by. It could be um, the TED Talks you watch. So in other words, when it's, it's said the books that you read, I took that as what you're feeding your mind, which is what you mm-hmm. talk to. And and the other side is, um, you know, who you're surrounding yourself with. So when you mention that, I believe that's so important that in my last two books, I actually have sections dedicated to talking about an exercise you can use to decide what are you putting into your mind? What are you putting into your body? Cause I believe it's, it comes down to what are you feeding your mind, your body and your spirit? That's going to be the game changer. And so I'm glad you pointed that out. Uh, saying that you took a bold move. You just said, and, and basically said these friends, I need to basically remove them from my life. Were there people as well that you said, I need to, spend less time with them, but I can't remove them. And when I say that, I'm thinking like a family member or, and I'm not asking you to point out who it was. I'm just saying, yes. was, did that happen as well? Or was it all um, just, everybody's got to go?
1: In all reality, I got rid of everybody and everything. You know, it was a complete start refresh. And over the years, I've gotten contact back with some of those old people, you know, and we're friends in the terms of, they are broke down on the side of the road. They called me up, you know, I would go help them. Do we hang out? Are we actively involved in each other's lives though? No, but it was flat out everybody. I knew everything had to change. I was actually living in a house and with a bunch of these friends and called up my grandma who lived outside of town, asked her to come get all my stuff. She took it and then I moved into an underpass that was right next to the restaurant I worked at. and As I said, lived that whole winter out there and just sobered up because for me, I knew that's how far I had to go. Like I had to make myself uncomfortable to succeed. You know, you're, it gets too hot in your house, what do you do? You get up, you turn on the AC or vice versa. I had to get too cold. I had to get miserable and that's what it took.
0: So I want to ask you about something I'm, and you'll know I'm making a note here because I want to make sure I ask you about this. But before I jump into that direction, the other side, since i tackled the the people you surrounded yourself with, I probably should tackle what you're feeding your mind. Did that um, – was it was it like are you a reader was that you know audio i mean because obviously it depends on the timeline uh but i guess my first part is uh were you already feeding yourself good stuff in, in your mind or did you have to change that as well and if you did did you, are there some usual suspects like the zig ziglers uh, tony robbins or whatever that you appealed to you or what did that journey look like
1: so at that point in my life um i really wasn't taking in anything good, except I still went to church once a week. Um, I grew up in a church and I did have friends in the church and I saw the lives they had. You know, I had one that was about a year older than me. He owned a beautiful truck, had his own business, you know, was making great money. Just his life was put together. And you know, just seeing that made me want to do different. He actually grew up with parents who made him read like seven habits of highly effective teens. He had to read rich dad, poor dad, like, so he was raised like that. And when we'd hang out, when we were young, his idea of having fun was like, Hey, let's see how we could generate $20 today or something. So I had that influence, but no, I wasn't reading. There was nothing like that. It was just kind of looking at him and looking at where I was at and going, you know, I don't want to be who I'm becoming. I don't want to go the direction I'm going. I want to go his direction. He actually, a few years after that, I'd say three years after that, actually introduced me to some Kiyosaki books and started really getting me going. And that's like when I exploded. But at that very beginning, no, it was just just visual seeing the differences in life, so,
0: so here's, here's the follow-up to that then. How did you initially, because I'm thinking of that person that's listening to you now that may be in the same situation you were in, or maybe in between there and trying to get to where you're at today. How did you choose which books? Because you said he introduced you a few years later, but how did right. you start choosing? Like, did you look to people and say, I wonder what they're reading and ask them? Did you, like, one of the things I did was I looked at the bestsellers list at the time and said, well, if millions of people are buying these books, there's got to be a reason. But well, how did you choose what you read?
1: Right. So at the beginning there, um, you know, all I really knew was Robert Kiyosaki, and that's because of what he introduced me to. So, the very first book I read was Cash Flow Quadrant. Um, Mm -hmm. So, I didn't even read Rich Dad, Poor Dad first. I read Cash Flow Quadrant. And then after that, um, he gave me uh, the one that Kiyosaki and Trump wrote together um, Why We Want You to Be Rich. So, those were my first introductions. Later on in life, um, when I got my first mentors and stuff, I started asking them, you know, well, what have you guys read? You know, what took you there? And man, that expanded my book knowledge from there. But like doing what you did, like, that's a great one right there. You know, what are the top 10 best entrepreneurial books? And just start going through there. Like anything really, just as long as they're making some sort of step at the beginning, that's all that matters. You know, it doesn't really matter which book, just get a book and do it, you know? There, there's so much good information and so much of it out there. So
0: so here's the question I wrote down that I wanted to make sure I asked you. Because, again, I'm thinking about that person. Because it doesn't have to be that they were living your journey or story. It could be that they, uh, they had a business that went bankrupt. And that could be the challenge they have to come back out of. Maybe it's they're scared they're not ready to run a business. and They don't know how to start. So here's my question out of that myself uh, she's open about it so i know i can share it in the show but my girlfriend is is an addict um and i know it's kind of that mentality you know it's the thought process that once an addict, always an addict so i say that she's been clean almost five years but mm-hmm. she's uh, I, I i i would typically say a former addict but she says i'm still an addict you know still in me type thing um but saying that this is why i drive at this question but i think it ties into anybody wanting to make a transition in their life is what was that that like so you mentioned about here's where you're at you're with your friends you're partying you said you wanted to change the world but the change wasn't happening yet was it that you discovered a why or was it that you just said you know something's got to give like i'm wondering what was that if that makes sense right. what was that moment that right. changed? Just- so
1: the, there is a clear clear moment um there's a couple things that led up to the moment though so let me hit those also um One, I was starting to hang out with a way rougher crowd because I wanted, you know, I always thought I was going to be some Al Capone type person. You know, that was always kind of my goal back then, which is horrible for a goal. Um, Ended up getting way over my head. As I said, I got stabbed three times. um, Realized at that moment, okay, I'm either going to go to prison. I have to be okay with that. I'm going to have to kill some people. I have to be okay with that. I'm going to die. I have to be okay with that. And I wasn't really okay with any of those things. You know, I didn't want to be locked up and listening to somebody else's rules. You know, I didn't really want to have to kill somebody and I definitely didn't want to die. On top of that. Um, I had an uncle who he was an ex uh, biker um, club. He was uh, I think the vice president of one uh, they were one percenters. He was in prison, just got out of prison. He was trying to rebuild his life with his son. And I saw that and what was going on there. And I was like, well, I don't really want that either. So one day I'm walking to work. I stop at a McDonald's to grab some lunch. And there's a guy who looked just like my uncle in his late 40s, just looked beat up, old, you know, really tired. And he was learning how to do the fry machine from some 15 year old kid. And nothing against anybody working at McDonald's. If you have a job, you're doing your best. I'm proud of you and I love that. Continue to do it. But just seeing this poor guy, you know, starting his life over. At McDonald's at that age, and you could tell, like, he probably just got out of prison too or something. That was my moment. I was like, I'm not gonna be that. I'm not gonna go this route and end up in one of those three positions. You know, I'm not gonna be trying to grow up at 40, 50, 60. I wanna grow up now. I wanna do different now. And that's literally, I went to work, got off work, called my grandma, had her come pick up my stuff, and I changed my life. Like, by the grace of God, like, you just shoved it in me that. You needed to do something different. So,
0: wow. So, why I ask that is because there's this great, and I, again, I don't even know if it's somebody else's quote or if it's something that came to me one day. It's, it's harder with quotes always to see where was this this inspiration or was it? Uh, did I slightly paraphrase it? But the the quote that comes to my mind is, uh, "Once you know your why, you'll figure out the how." And right. even though your why might be, and you would know better than me, but maybe your why might be um, something deeper. That, that triggered when you saw the, the guy starting his life over? Or maybe it was, as you said, the why is is that I want to do something different than those three things that I knew was going to happen. It, it seems like that's sort of what happened for you. Whatever the why was, uh, you then had to figure out the how, but the how was going to happen because the why was so big. Would you agree with that?
1: Yeah. Well, 100%. And I actually like the way you said that too. You know, once you know the why, you figure out the how, and that's so true. Like once you understand a purpose or wanting something different like you figure out how to get it done so yeah that's great I love that
0: so and thank you so much and so I'll uh, dive a bit deeper now Ju because I want to dive into things that people can learn from your journey but also so they can know you a bit better as well uh, so my, my question that comes right to my mind is you've had like you say you've had both sides of the, the fence if you will or both sides of the, the coin in your journey how do you define success today
1: You know, it's funny because I, I listen to a lot of Tony Robbins now. Like Tony Robbins is my boy. And <laughs> um, you know, I I see that question co- come up a lot and everything and how people answer it. And you know, Tony always has to kind of work with them. So you'd think I'd have a better answer for that, but you know, for me, success is there's a few different things. One of them's definitely duplication. So like I have kids. I want, I want to be better and, uh, you know, a better human being and teach them to be better human beings so they can go out and influence the world and make a change, you know, and as that grows, the light shines brighter. Same thing in entrepreneurship. Why am I working with other entrepreneurs now? Why am I consulting and coaching? I want to teach other people to succeed so they can go out and help other people succeed. Now, there's so much the world's scary now there's a lot of just bad things things aren't right you can tell you can fill it in the air and everybody wants the government to do something they want more laws they want this they want that how about we all just stop become better and try and duplicate that with somebody else find one person to help and teach them to be better teach them to be successful and go out and help somebody and that would just start a chain of events you know pay it forward like that movie where We just start paying it forward and things get better so success for me is going out and just duplicating something good in somebody else's life going out and helping just change things it's not money it's not the things it's being in a position where you can help others you can encourage others and you actually do that
0: so interesting you said that uh when you mentioned not the money and not the things in doing now i mean We're still keeping track, but all I can tell you now for sure is it's over 5,000 interviews. And you get to learn a lot about different mindset when you do that many interviews. And what's interesting, I found, Jude, is for people that have achieved, let's say, what society defines as material success, I find it's almost never about money or material things. Mm -hmm. And for people that haven't, it almost always is. You know, so people always say, what's the secret of the highest of achievers? And I think that's one of those secrets that I don't share often enough is that they realize it's more than about money. They realize it's more than about uh, wealth or material wealth because they've tasted it, because they, they thought. And a lot of times you said it earlier, right? You and your friends said, this is what we want to become. And that's the society definition. And we realize most of us, once we get there, it doesn't give you the happiness you thought it would on its own. Mm-hmm. You know, it gives you the freedom to actually go and have that impact and all those things. So I just think it's interesting when you define success like that, I wanted to add in that most high achievers I've found, and when I say high achievers, I mean the ones that are doing it for the right reasons, most of them I've discovered, it's, never, it's almost never about money. And again, for people that haven't gotten there yet, they think it's about money. Right.
1: Yeah, that's one thing you know, I always tell people is, the new car smell, you, know, you get that new car, and it doesn't matter what it is, where you're at in your life, you get that new car, you're happy, you love it, it's exciting. And it goes away. It's the same thing. You buy a Lamborghini, it is freaking awesome. You're loving it, and it goes away. Now you want a McLaren, you know? Now you want a jet. Like things are just things. The newness smell only lasts so long. So it has to be something else. There has to be a real passion, a real purpose there. And that's what drives so many of those guys. I mean, look how many billionaires and, you know, multimillionaires over the last year have committed suicide. Money doesn't bring happiness. Purpose does, you know, passion does, helping others does. You see the guys that are actually out there doing things like that, you know, like the Tony Robbins, just as an example. Those are the guys who have that true happiness, that true success and are constantly pushing through. And you can do that working at McDonald's. You know, you can do that being a manager of a TGI Fridays. You know, you don't have to have millions of dollars to be successful and happy
0: absolutely and i want to come back to that in a second my next question is going to be about passion and purpose uh, but one thing i wanted to add on to what you said there because jude I, I agree with that so completely in terms of people are wanting everybody else to change things for them but two quotes came to mind when you said that that both have always resonated with me one and i think this is an oprah quote but it, and it might be Maya uh, uh, angelou quotes one of the two but basically along the lines of if you know better you do better and i you know i always I, when I get coaches on that work with people regularly in terms of helping them enjoy fulfillment and, and get to that next level and make a positive transition, I always like to ask them, why do you think people don't make the change? And often it comes back to they don't know better. They just don't know there's a different way. It's like when I say to people, why, you know, people say to me, why did you follow your passion and what does it feel like and all that? When people ask that question, they say, you know, I wish I could find a passion or a purpose – The truth is, the reason they haven't, perhaps, is because they don't know the benefit of it yet. Why should I bother? They don't know how it feels. So if you don't know how something feels, you're probably not going to have as big of a drive to go get it. And so first of all, when you said that, it made me think of the fact that if people do know better, I think they want to do better. But then the other thing that came to my mind was the great Gandhi quote, which I know it's is uh, be the change you want to see in the world. Yes. your point, uh, that change could just mean... You going, you know what, I'm tired of asking somebody else to be this change for me. I'm going to change it and I'm going to teach somebody else. I'm going to, uh, like you said, pay it forward. I'm going to uh, learn one, teach one. I'm going to go out and teach a new one each time. And so those two things really spoke to me when you said about uh, people need to realize that the answers aren't going to come from outside. And we can build a movement if we just change it one person at a time. But we all have to kind of agree that we're going to be, be that change. And it's not always easy to do. So I'm glad you mentioned that because I think that does, to me, that is success when we're making that change and we're helping people become better versions of themselves and help them know better so they can do better. So that's my full circle way to come back and tag off both quotes at the same time. Uh, I said I was going to float around to purpose and passion. And I'll just tell you my thoughts on this super quickly is that I think passion is what you do and purpose is why you do it. That's how I define the two because people always say, aren't they the same? And I think the passion is the what and the purpose is the why. So, and that's just my opinion on it. But so my, my question out of that, Jude, is what are your, are your thoughts on the importance of, first of all, passion, and then secondly, purpose? Like, do you think they're important? And if so, why?
1: 100%. And you know, the way you described them, I agree totally. Um, in my book that I wrote that's going to be coming out in the next couple months, <laughs> um, I actually go over a portion of that. And I mean, the way you said it, exactly it. One, we need those things. If you don't have those things, you're not going to find success. Yeah. You might find monetary success, but again, that's fleeting. You know, you might do good at your job, your business, whatever. That's fleeting. You're going to find yourself in a dark area in your life later on because you're going to realize, you know, none of that is satisfying. Um, But, yeah, it's so important because... That's what pushes you continuously. That's what takes you to the next level. Having that purpose and having that passion. One, the purpose, you know, why am I doing this? You know, what am I trying to accomplish? Why every day am I getting up? Why am I working late? You know, whatever it is, that's your purpose. You need that. That's going to drive you. And the passion, that's what gets you this the excitement. It makes you want to do it. it, makes you want to be fired up about it, and causes other people to be fired up. And they want to follow you and they want to drive that passion too. You know, the best businesses are the ones with passionate leaders because. They they're not bosses. They're not managers. They're not like, hey, you go do this. You go do this. No, they're leading and they're passionate about it. So the employees, the executives, every the management, everyone in the company becomes passionate, too. And they want to see the purpose driven. They want to see the company grow. They want to see it rise. You look at Elon Musk, you know, look at what that company done. He's passionate. He's driven. So so are his team. You know, they're doing things no one ever even thought was possible because of that. Richard Branson, another guy, you know, the rebel billionaire. Guy's crazy by all normal accounts. He's passionate. He's driven. So his team is passionate and driven. And they're always moving forward. He's causing those fires. So you need those two things. You want to be successful. You want to be a great entrepreneur. You want to be a good father, good mother, good husband, you know, whatever. You have to be purpose-driven and you have to be passionate about it. If you don't have those things, you're not going to go anywhere. You're going to spin your wheels.
0: Yeah, I so agree. And it's funny what popped into my head when you were saying that about uh, Elon Musk. And uh, You know, when, when I think about um, companies and we talk about how important passion is, when you think about the leaders of these companies, especially the founders, they're what drove those companies to become the most admired companies in the world. And if you look for that one common ingredient, one of the most shining and glaring common ingredients is that passion. And so who popped into my head when you said that as I also started thinking about Steve Jobs? I mean... Whether people liked them or not as a leader, he was certainly passionate about what he was doing at Apple. Um, uh, What's his name? Um, Schultz at uh, Starbucks. Same idea. And then you think about Walt Disney. You know, he was the epitome of passion when he launched Disney. And all those companies, not only still going today, among the most admired companies in the world. You know, I don't, I don't think that's a coincidence. So I'm glad you said it that way, Jude, because I think, you know, people are always asking me what are the common elements of, and I, I've often said that the most common trait, even in, in my last book, that's what I'd said, the most common secret I've discovered is these people have all found their passion and they're all living on purpose. Uh, but it's really, it's even cooler sometimes when you can identify that it was the leaders that started the company, even if they're not still involved in the company that helped that company get past the hump by being so passionate. 'Cause it is the question of why do what is it, ninety some percent of all businesses fail within the first ten years? I think it's eighty percent in the first five. And if you think about what gets them past that hump, a lot of times it's a passionate leader. So yep. anyway, I'm glad I'm glad you said that. And in fact, that's probably a good name for a book title, The Passionate Leader. Yeah it is. <laughs> Because uh, they already have what is the Purpose Driven Life, Rick Warren's book. So they already have that title taken. Um, so that being said, uh, and we're work, working our way and winding our way down. Uh, but I want to ask you before I get to my last question, my favorite question, everybody knows that listens to the show, uh, what question I love asking last. But before I jump there, uh, I'd like to ask who these days inspires you and why?
1: Oh, man, uh, a few different people. Um, one, obviously, I've already said his name a few times, so I'll say it again. Tony Robbins. Um, you know, that guy, he he's so passionate. He's so purpose driven. Like every day, from the moment he wakes up till the moment he ends, is all about impacting other people's lives and getting out there doing, you know, what it takes to change the world. And beyond that, you know, he's got these programs where he's trying to feed, you know, millions of children, you know, not thousands of children. We're talking millions of children. Like, I love that, you know, that's where I want to be, you know, when you know people are like oh i want to be you someday you know talking to somebody successful when i say it yeah i want to be tony robbins someday not in that aspect of being tony robbins i want to be tony robbins the aspect of i want to affect a million children's lives like how awesome would that be so he's someone i really look up to another one is um another mentor that i've been working with pedgman gadimi uh owner of secret academy has written the books third circle theory and radius um phenomenal gentleman just business-wise so I I can't even articulate the words to describe just like he's just so smart business-wise and I've learned so much from him and then uh Jesse Itzler is another guy that I've been following consistently who's amazing as a CEO and I don't know if you know Jesse Itzler
0: um yeah I, I I know who he is
1: so um you know, he's a guy who's made hundreds of millions of dollars and doesn't need to push himself any further, but yet he constantly does. You know, he went and lived with the monks for a while and wrote that book about it. He went and found David Goggins, who's the most intense man on this planet and moves him in with him and just goes through this punishing month going through all this stuff. He's running these major marathons and everything like Jesse Itzler's the CEO who shows again, passion, like he wants to be better every day. So he's finding other people to push him and drive him further. And I love seeing that, you know, because that shows you, like, we need to grow every day. We need to keep pushing. So these are guys who really impact my life that I'm following and that I want to emulate as I grow. So
0: It's so interesting, Jude, because we're hitting as we're going, and this is more you than me. Uh, all the top uh, secrets that I share when I say I, my talk, the timeless uh, secrets, uh, I, basically my work, a lot of people know it as uh, basically I'm doing what Napoleon Hill did in the 30s with Think and Grow Rich and interviewing yeah. so many high achievers and sharing what I've discovered. And of course, a lot of it is similar to what Napoleon Hill discovered, like passion is similar to desire. But of course, because we're in modern times with cell phones and all that, there's stuff that Napoleon Hill wouldn't have put in the book because it just didn't exist then. But saying that you hit the, hail, uh, the nail on another one uh, that I've discovered high achievers do really well. And that is that they subscribe to continuous learning and mm-hmm. continuous improvement. So a, we talked about it earlier about what you feed your mind and being a lifelong learner. But now we're talking about continuous improvement. You know, the idea yeah. you said, like, these people still want to become better, even though they really don't need to anymore in the minds of yeah. everyone else. A great example I shared during my talk is about Sidney Crosby. Cause one of my friends, his name is Doug Shepard and he's an elite skating coach and he trained 12 NHL players not that long ago when Sidney was coming back from an injury and he was training Sidney at the same time. And he said, Corey, Sydney was working harder than some of the kids at their school. Like their, their school, they have, a, they have a hockey school. And there's kids that want to make it to the NHL. And he said, Sydney, you know, worth, what, $40 million, doesn't have to really ever play again after having a, a, lot of con- a few concussions. And yet he said, this dude is there earlier and later than the kids that are saying they want to make the NHL. He's still working harder than almost anybody in the NHL to get back. And the point is, Sydney's doing, what, 99% of it well? He's considered one of the best hockey players, probably in history, and mm-hmm. yet he still believes on improving that one percent he's not doing well. So anyway, that's the story I share about continuous improvement because I've noticed the Gretzky's of the world; these guys don't quit. They they just yeah. I got to get better. I got to get better. Yeah, but you're already you're already a master of it. Doesn't matter. I need to master it more than. Mm-hmm. And so I'm glad you brought that up, Jude.
1: That's one thing that Michael Jordan has said, and I can't remember who interviewed and talked with him, um, but. He told him was like, my expectations, you know, are so high that I'm constantly trying to improve myself, you know, to all of us, he he was the greatest, you know, even back then to him, he still had to do more. So he constantly was pushing himself. And that's why he was so amazing. And that's why he led so well, because, you know, the other teammates saw that he was a leader, he was doing more. So they wanted to follow him. Like, yeah, that's exactly it. Constantly growing.
0: You know, it's funny. Well, I don't know why this popped into my head as well, but I, I'll share because I don't know if I've ever shared it on the show. And it's just a—I think it's a cool quote. But um, I, I was interviewing a gentleman by the name of—well, his stage name is Scratch Bastard. and he's—he's a, he's a DJ, a very successful uh, Canadian DJ. And he was telling me about his brother, who's like a motocross racer. And and he said he asked his brother one time because his brother was winning all these races, and he said how do you focus? Like, how do you stay focused when you're riding the bike and all that? And his brother said this thing and, and it just stuck with me. And I think I've only ever shared it in written form. But he said, um, when he's driving his motorbike, he looks at it like he's chasing a dangling carrot. Like, you know, the rabbit chasing the carrot that's in front of them, right. but I'm chasing this invisible carrot that there's no way that I'll ever catch, but I will not ever give up on trying to catch that carrot. Really? And to me, that's continuous awesome. improvement, right? He's just, he's not saying like, where's the other guy? He's racing himself, really, but he's not saying where's the other guy in this race? Or, um, you know, now I've achieved it. I've won five races. He's basically saying, got to catch the carrot, got to catch the carrot every day, got to catch the carrot. <laughs> anyway, I don't know why that stuck to me, but I always stuck out is that continuous improvement. We're never, we never catch the carrot. These people that are trying to become better all the time. Anyway, it was a little metaphor, but it stuck with me. Um, So that being said, one thing I want to add on to what you were just saying, and then I want to uh, jump into one other area, Uh, but the why that you mentioned, and you mentioned Tony Robbins and feeding so many children. And one of the things that I think is so neat about that is that we talked earlier, if your why is big enough, you'll figure out the how. And I'm sure being a big fan of Tony Robbins, you've heard the story about him when he was younger and the person came up with the food to his door and his father didn't want to accept it. And he said that was kind of the defining why in his life for why he wanted to feed children in America is because he knew the, he, they needed the food desperately, but his father basically felt so much, I guess, shame in that, that mm-hmm. he turned away the food that his family so desperately needed. Mm-hmm. And Tony said, he remembered that moment that, you know what, I want to make sure people don't have to feel like that or feel that shame. But at the same time, I remember what that felt like to have somebody bring us food out of the goodness of their heart. And he said that was his big why. And then then he figured that the how, which, you know, as you probably know, near Christmas time, he boards a whole bunch of buses and brings a whole bunch of volunteers and feeds, I, I think it's literally millions of people one meal mm-hmm. at, at Christmas time each year. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Like, it's crazy what he's been able to achieve. But going back to our point about if you figure out the why or if your why is big enough, you'll figure out the how. Yeah. And I think what it is, is his why he never forgot it, and it keeps helping to him deliver the how.
1: Right.
0: So anyway, just that when we talked about that earlier, I just thought I, as stand-up comics would say, that's a callback to the early to the <laughs> earlier statement. Um, so Jude, I have one last, a second last question before I get to the main one, and you kind of answered it, but I want to maybe just dive one step deeper, which is about feeding your mind. You know, we talked about that a few times now, and, and I was going to ask you, what are you feeding your mind these days? You know, now that you've um, travel the journey you had. Like, what are you reading? What are you listening to? What have you? And I know you gave us some names of people that inspire you, which also right. ties into who you're listening to probably in reading. But are, are there some other examples as well that you can share with us?
1: Yeah, so um – Gosh, I'm doing so much now, again, to make sure that I'm constantly growing, that I'm becoming better and that I'm improving. So this year alone, I've spent about 60 grand just on different mentoring and consulting program stuff just to kind of look, learn more. Um, you know, obviously, I worked with you this year, um, worked with Sam Ovens, who is one of the biggest consultants out there right now, going through some stuff with him. Reading-wise, taking intense stuff. One, I do Bible reading every day. Um, Christian, I really push that out there. Uh, you know, even just the book of Proverbs, whether you believe in God or not, like there's just so much good, wise stuff in there, you know, take it, you know, knowledge is knowledge. Truth is truth. So you just take it. Um, but beyond that, gosh, uh, oh, you got one book in my reach right now. Again, Tony Robbins book, Waking the Giant Within. I got another one open over here. Sorry.
0: Oh, it works. All good. <laughs>
1: So Third Circle Theory from Pedgeman. I've just got done reading that one again for the third time. Just there are so many different books I'm going through. I'm just trying to take in as many as possible. And then also podcasts and YouTube videos almost nonstop. Like I'll just go on little streams where, you know, I'll start with like listening to a Gary V video and then I'll jump over to like a Les Brown or something that she said. I mean, just there's so much good stuff out there and we're in a time and age where it's all accessible. So there's no reason not to take in things. Even if it comes to like downtime TV entertainment, I watch like shark tank or the prophet with Marcus Lemonis. you know, that's free opportunity to learn from billionaires, like eat it up. So I'm constantly just feeding with everything I can. So.
0: Love it. And in fact, as you were saying about Tony, (laughs) <laughs> uh, my new success magazine just arrived like I think about a week ago or a few days ago and I haven't dived in yet but it's his guide to 2019 so I'm going to dive in super soon um, nice. so my last official question and then I'm going to have an unofficial one but the last official question is if you could sit across from a younger version of yourself 20 years younger let's say or 15 years younger maybe that uh, younger dude that was struggling um, trying to get out of the, the situation you're in what do you think you might tell them? If you can go back in a time machine, what do you think you might tell them based on what you've learned in the years since?
1: Don't be scared to do the right thing. You know, what led me down the path that I went and I could blame my parents, you know, they, they weren't active. Um, my dad was in and out of prison. He was a drug dealer. My parents actually left me when I was 11. Cause they had to go on the run from the feds. Um, you know, I could blame things like that, but the biggest thing that set me down the path was I wasn't very liked as a child, you know, other kids picked on me and that happens to all kids. You know, looking back, I still had other friends though. And I should have just focused on them instead of wanting everybody else to like me. So to get kids to like me, you know, I started doing the wrong things. I started stealing drugs from my dad so I could go share it with these people and make them my friends. You know, I started getting into crimes. We would start, Stealing from all the local shops around town and then divvy up whatever we stole amongst other people, just whatever it took to, you know, kind of be cool and just build that up. And that sent me down a really dark path. Whereas instead, if I just would have made, you know, not been scared, just stood up and just made the right choices, because there's good kids out there who do good things and they find good friends, you know. Yeah, the circle may be smaller, but that's probably better so you know just be 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 stronger in who i am and who i know i could have been because even then you know i knew the choices weren't right we always know the choices aren't right but we choose to ignore that you know we shut down that voice inside for a while and throw it in the back and it'd be don't be scared listen to it you know just be good
0: wow so powerful. So Jude, I, I said that was the last official question. The unofficial question is simply, and maybe the most important one, but I'll call this a to be continued because I know we barely scratched the surface and we'd love to bring you on down the road again. Uh, awesome. But before we jump ahead to that, I'll ask you for people that said, I like this interview. I like what I learned. I want to learn more about Jude. I want to connect with him. Where would you normally direct them to learn more?
1: So they can find me at Jude, the barefoot millionaire Mendonca on Facebook, or they can contact me at, um, Hey Jude at the com. Send emails there. My assistant goes through that. Um, we also answer questions and stuff on our podcast, but yeah, they can reach out to me through there. Uh, we have a website in development, should be done beginning of January, but it's Judemendonza.com, the com. both those places. So, but right now Facebook or that email I gave are the best spots to get a hold of me. Supposedly I need to build an Instagram, but I keep holding back on that. <laughs>
0: It'll, it'll it'll happen when it happens, right? This right? Uh, this this uh, interview is sort of evergreen. It'll be up for the long term. So if you stumble across Jude uh, on Instagram someday, you'll know that he he took that direction. If not, <laughs> you'll, you'll be listening going, wow, he still hasn't taken that step. Uh, right? I, I think, you know what? Uh, Brendan Bouchard always talks about how he chose Facebook because of the timeline and when he came out as his sort of main sort of platform. Uh, But he, he's a really big believer that you need to choose a platform and stick with it. And then maybe you you dabble in the other ones, but you stick with a main platform. Uh, So maybe Instagram isn't your platform yet. Maybe someday it will be, maybe it won't. You'll figure that out when the time comes. (laughs) Awesome. Well, Jude, this has been an absolute pleasure. As I mentioned, thank you so much for joining us and being so gracious today. And with your permission, I'll call it a to be continued.
1: Definitely. Thank you so much, Corey. I really appreciate it.